Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? It feels good to be back. We have been dying to get back on this podcast and keep on blowing your minds away. We have definitely had quite the adventure when we traveled across the country, but we are finally settling in and getting back to the routine of the podcast. It definitely is making us happy as well. And we're continuing on to our spooky season. Yes, I want to give you guys a personal experience of ours on our trip. We had stopped into Quebec since we had started our trip on the late side due to our car light having to be changed due to the crazy hit and run situation. We were exhausted and Catherine, you guys may know her as Miss DIY. She's our main eyes and ears on the podcast page as well. Well, we wanted to finally meet her since she was also out in Quebec. Absolutely. Liz also wanted to get at least one photo with her, but that didn't happen due to our dogs not allowing us to even do anything. Right? It was not easy being in a hotel with dogs, so we wanted to make sure that we headed into the suite quickly and get up early and have a really early start to the day. Well, I am not as spirit sensitive as Liz is, but even I was feeling some sort of hands like caressing my face and they were touching my hands and my neck all night long. I definitely did not like it. Oh, yeah. First thing in my head was, oh, my God, this place screams Cecil Hotel. Make sure to check out my YouTube channel and watch the traveling videos we posted so you guys can get a visual on it. As soon as I got in the hotel room, it had mirrors all around And in the washroom, there was this bellboy spirit with a bellhop hat dressed in a pleated pantsuit with stripes on the side, holding a towel for the shower I was about to take, and one arm behind their back. I believe at some point, the light they had in there was a spinning one, like, you know, one with a fan on it. I kept seeing this man hanging from a noose and a few kids wandering about, laughing and playing catch. I think it was the kids who were touching you, honestly. I felt that all night long on that brick wall of a bed that we were sleeping on. (laughs) Oh yeah, they did not like us. The spirits were also not so welcoming and did not want us in that room. I couldn't sleep a wink in there. I think I maybe slept 30 minutes combined. Yeah, I would definitely say even less for me. Did any of them try to talk to you though? Nope. Had no interest in talking. They literally stuck their noses up at me. It was wild, and I felt like I was stuck in another universe. I wanted to really look into some things that happened in that spot, but I feel like they really don't want me to. Maybe one day? Either way, I just had to share. It was a very odd place. Also, guys, Liz and I finally got in our photo shoot done for Halloween. We will be sending out five chosen people from our active patron side and their mailing addresses since we will be sending out signed photos of us. Woohoo! <laughs> yes, we will do this every time we get a new tier on the podcast as well. We will be announcing this on our Freaked Out Podcast Facebook group, and we will be contacting those winners via email for their mailing addresses. I can't wait to send some of these photos to you guys. All right. Now that we've filled you in with so much, and we'll keep filling you in on things as we progress, let's turn our focus back on to the Yogurt Shop Murders. We have had this one on the list since we started this podcast, 
but it kept on getting postponed. Like most cases. I've never heard of them until you guys bring them to me. I had a hard time with this case, but only because there were so many of them stepping forward with their own versions of what happened. So I had to kind of put the pieces together myself. All right, let's dive in. On December 6, 1991, 15-year-old Sarah Harberson and her 13-year-old friend Amy were hanging out at the North Cross Mall in Austin, Texas. According to sources, they were killing time on the, you know, chilly Friday night until Sarah's sister Jennifer and her school friend and co-worker Elisa Thomas, both 17, were done their late shift at the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt shop located in Hillside Strip Mall. A little after 10 p.m., Sarah and Amy made their way back to the yogurt shop to help close up. All four girls had plans to go to a slumber party. Just before midnight, Austin Police Department Officer Troy Gay had noticed rising smoke from the strip mall while out on parole. The officer reported the fire and the firefighters soon arrived on scene. As they were extinguishing the fire, they came across this horrible situation. Jennifer, Sarah, Amy, and Eliza were dead. All of the girls were naked and bound and gagged with their own clothes. Amy's body was discovered in the middle of the back room, while Jennifer, Sarah, and Eliza were found in the rear of the back room, shoved close together. Eliza and Sarah stacked on top of each other. The girls' legs were spread wide open, and an ice cream scoop was placed between one of their legs. Their bodies were burned to a point of almost not being recognized. Whomever killed them had put napkins and other items near them and on them to set ablaze with lighter fluid before they left. The autopsies done on the girls had determined that they were all shot in the back of the head, execution style, and sadly, at least two of them had been raped. The authorities also informed the media that two guns had been used to commit the murders, suggesting that there may have been at least two perpetrators. The yogurt shop management and police investigators determined there was approximately $540 missing from the store. The police did a pretty extensive investigation, however, were never able to crack this case. Well, from the start, there was a number of issues with the investigation. Since the fireman was responding to their job, it could have potentially washed away precious evidence. Based on the level of someone being experienced in how they placed the bodies, they felt like this person was a seasoned serial killer. Which led them to Kenneth McDuff, who was suspected for at least 14 murders and was the person suspected of the broomstick murders. I remember hearing something about that one. Wasn't that one called that because the woman was killed with a broomstick? That's the one. And we will cover that case at some point as well. The police questioned him about the deaths, and he was sent to death row, and he confessed to those murders the day of his death sentence. He thought it would get him out of being murdered or something. Of course, it didn't end up happening like that. Eight days after the murders, the investigators got a tip to look into a teenage Maurice Pierce. The 16-year-old was seen at the mall with a gun on the very same night. The gun was also a twenty-two caliber. They had also questioned some of his friends, Michael Scott, Robert Springsteen, and Forrest Wellborn. When his gun was tested, 
Ballistics showed it did not match the murder weapon at all, and the DNA didn't match any of them either, so they let it go. Years went by and no arrests were made, and then one of the suspects, Michael Scott, confessed to the killings, and then so did Robert Springsteen also confessed to killing the girls and raping one of them. After the confession, the police were convinced they had their killers. They did get convicted, but they had a lot of evidence that they were coerced into confessing, including having a gun up in one of their hands. The DNA did not match, though. Most of the authorities feel like they had their right four guys all along, and the first man must have helped them, who was more seasoned. A lot of other people think it's someone else. There were a few others saying that there were two men at the yogurt shop and they didn't look like they were planning to leave anytime soon and were hanging out just before closing time. They never found anything on these two men, so nothing came of it. So crazy. I can tell you so much about this case as all four of these women want to talk about the situation. Let's get into it. I know that you have a lot to say on this matter. My first question for this case is, where did this all begin? I like that you asked where, because it didn't start at the yogurt shop. And Amy and Sarah were having so much fun. Amy wasn't allowed out a lot. She didn't get to spend a lot of time outside away from her family. And since she was going to a slumber party, her parents didn't really know she would be out this late. But due to the circumstance, it was the most alive she had ever felt. She said she was interested in going to the mall and hanging out with boys and eating snacks. This was one of those dream come true moments for her. And from what she shows me, Sarah was one of her cooler friends. And they both liked talking about boys and clothes. And she shows me that there were a lot of her other friends that were still a little bit young to go places and do things. So it was always nice for her to hang out with Sarah. She had a very cool attitude and boys flocked to her constantly. She was so happy and she felt like an adult for the first time. She sounds like she was having one of those moments in her life that you start to find yourself. She really was. And from what Sarah shows me, they were possibly eyeballing these cute boys trying to find the possibilities of what could come of the night. You had mentioned earlier that something connected to these two at the mall is where things started. Would you please let us know what you mean by that? I see that the two of them were talking to boys a couple of years older, like I'd say 17. And one of them was a lot younger. I feel like he was about 11, 12 years old. And they were all hanging out and talking. I feel like the girls were getting ready to say goodbye. And once these boys had mentioned to Sarah, he thought she was pretty and to give him a call sometime, she took his number. And while this exchange took place, I feel like Amy noticed two older men behind them. She said that the one was blonde and following her. Did they know these two men and how old would you say they were? I feel like these two men were 24, 25 years of age. And I feel like the two of them were watching the two girls pretty hard once they noticed them. I also feel like the girls had informed these boys that they exchanged numbers with of their plans for the night. And I feel like these men overheard what was going on. Were there any others involved? I think so, but we will talk about that part later. Were any of them connected to any of the suspects? No, but I feel like they did see each other at the mall. 
don't get me wrong. I feel like the boys that were at the mall that are suspects currently were trying to impress everyone with their gun and talking about it a lot. And of course, passerbyers were hearing all this with disgust. So I'm sure it made them look crazy. And although they don't have squeaky clean backgrounds, I don't feel like any of them are capable of murder or rape for that matter. Thank you for clearing up that part. Well, from what I see, these two men didn't really say anything to these girls, but did follow them out of the mall. I feel like they hopped into their car and followed them. I keep seeing red and blue for their car. I feel like both of the men had their own cars, but I think that they only got into one vehicle. I also feel like there might have been like a lightning bolt or some sort of music symbol on the car. It looks like it was like gold. And I feel like it was put there by hand. Did these men talk to the girls at this point? No, but from what Amy shows me, she had seen the blonde one looking at her. And she did feel pretty and was getting attention from other guys. So it didn't really bother her too much. Was there any interactions between them at all before getting to the yogurt shop? Sarah shows me that they had said something as they got out of their car That was something along the lines of, wow, if I knew that there were so many pretty girls here, we would have come sooner. Yeah, they definitely sound like creepers. Oh yeah, I hear their thoughts. I feel like they were planning on raping every last one of them. What happened next? Looks like Amy and Sarah had sat down at a table and had a drink. And I believe the other two had told them to do this while they go back and clean up and keep an eye on the rest of the customers And I feel like this is when these two men came in and had a seat and they started to hit on them. I see that they were pretty aggressive as well. In what way were they aggressive? I feel like they were inviting the girls to hang out and party after work. And the girls told them that they weren't going to be able to make it since they already had plans. I feel like the men, of course, were not interested in the word no. And I feel like they kept pushing and pushing the situation. Now, Sarah became uncomfortable with the way this guy was talking to them, so she did start calling out to her sister, but in not a very obvious way. Her sister Jennifer came out of the back, and she started to tell these guys to get out since it's past closing time. Now, from that moment is when things started to get aggressive. I feel like one of these men, the blonde younger one, took it upon himself to lock the door. Can you describe these two men for us? I feel like the two of them are related or really close. Either way, they've known each other for years and years and isolated themselves from people. I feel like they were rejected in high school. I see that they were bullied and I feel like they had done bad things before. The first guy, the blonde one, is more charming. And the other one who I think is brunette, with a mustache, kind of looks like a porn stash if you ask me. He seems to have like a, a bit of a scar on his face somewhere too. I feel like they were both wearing like tight jeans. I feel like they were both really skin tight too. They're very skinny. I even feel like one of them was wearing a muscle shirt. They were both a little over 5'10", I would say. They seem to be pretty in control of the situation. What happened next? As you can imagine, the girls started to get scared and worried. And I feel like this time is when Eliza came from the back. She also started to tell the men to leave or they would be calling the police on them. 
I feel like these two men started to pull out their guns and told the girls that they aren't in charge. I know a lot of people in your comment section ask this question, but why is it that spirits won't reveal the information on their culprit? Yes. So with spirits, they can spell things out for us. They can give us clues and details, but they can't give us everything. We have to be the ones to figure it out. It's our screw up. We have to be the ones to solve it. If they could do that, they would save everyone from death, solve all crimes. But sometimes, especially when the person is dead, they can give more details. But in this case, all I know is that one of them was called Billy, the other one Rich or Rick. But that's only because when the girls tell me their stories and quote them, they will show me the names that they called each other. If I could give the names and details of where these people are and exactly where to find the bodies, then, oh my God, that would be amazing. I mean, but who knows? At some point I may be able to, if I keep on. I would love to be able to do that and I will work my ass off to get there. Thank you for answering that question. We understand it is a puzzle. Even with the living world, we don't get all the answers most of the time and we have to figure it out. That's a very good point. Once Eliza came out, I feel like she was also trying hard to keep the other girls behind her. I see she was more protective and didn't want anyone to get hurt. She started to use her brain instead of acting out of fear and started to reason with them, saying that the kids don't work here and that they should let go of Amy and Sarah. And this blonde guy said something along the lines of, well, they're the reasons we came here in the first place. Do we know if they're from Texas? Definitely not. I don't feel like they're from Texas at all. I feel like they were driving by. I feel like they mostly spend time in Florida, but they do travel all over the place when they get bored or, you know, assault enough people in it. So there was no robbery motive in this situation at all? No. Amy and Sarah were the ones that caught these creepy pedophiles' eyes, and their focus was on them more than anything else. Everything happened within a 90-minute window. So what happened next? I feel like it didn't take long before these men were telling all four girls that they were going to play some sort of sick game. And the more you listen, the longer you get to live. I keep seeing Jennifer and Eliza both were trying to get these guys to focus more so on them than the younger girls. And I keep seeing that it just egged them on. I keep seeing that Eliza was the most outspoken and used as the example of what not to do. I see that he told her to take off all her clothes. I see that she fought them to the highest degree and screamed. So the blonde man, Billy, took her clothes off for her and started to touch her private parts. I feel like she bit him and I feel like he smacked her in the face with the gun. I feel like she was hunched over and he shot her in the back of the head. I feel like he muffled the sound some. However, I do feel like the other three girls were shocked and scared and stopped fighting these men. Poor Eliza. All she was doing was just trying to stop someone from hurting her. And since she wasn't submissive, in doing so, she lost her life. I can't even imagine how the other girls were feeling in that moment and watching all of this unfold. Oh, for sure. Amy was crying the entire time and trying so hard to keep it together. But she was weeping uncontrollably. And I feel like it just made them notice her more. I keep seeing that these men told all three of these girls to take their clothes off. I keep seeing them sitting there naked and these men started to bind them. I feel like these pigs were 
making some sort of statement about each one of their body parts. But something made me feel like their attention was on Amy. Due to her age, I feel like both men decided to rape her. And I feel like she was crying the entire time and telling them to get off of her. And this Rick guy shot her in the back of the head next. I feel like while this was all happening, they moved on to Sarah. And I feel like Jennifer was telling them to leave her sister alone. And since it was interrupting them with what they were doing and trying to do, I feel like they just ended up shooting Jennifer next. I keep seeing that Sarah had to watch all of this happen, even dragging the bodies on top of each other. I don't believe it was any sort of ritual, but I feel like they had done this to tell Sarah to behave or she was next. I see that Sarah closed her eyes and ignored everything else that was going on around her. I see they kept her alive the longest. They had raped her as well. And from the sounds of it, they told her what they wanted to do next. They took a little cash so that they could have a nice load of drugs. And I see that Sarah watched them run around the store looking for flammable items. I also feel like Sarah sat down and didn't say much at all. She was stunned and shocked, of course, and she watched them do it all. And from what she shows me, this Billy guy came over to talk to her and said something along the lines of, Thanks for being so kind and nice and helpful and very pretty. I don't want to kill you, but we have to, or people would know what we had done, and no one can know that. I feel like she asked him something like why or to the effect of why he had done this. I mean, yeah, it's really a good question, but something we all would like to know. From what she shows me, he lit a cigarette and said to her, my family is fucked up. And that was it. And he took the gun and shot her in the back of the head like nothing. With that cigarette, that's what set the fire on his side of the shop. And I believe the other guy used a lighter. And I see that he had already started to douse everything before they killed Sarah. I also feel like there was a third man as well, but I don't feel like he came into the shop. I just feel like he was an accomplice outside and perhaps informed them of the police coming. Before these girls really got to start, they got taken away from having the life that they deserved. Is there anything else that they would like to tell us? I mean, just more so that they miss their family, friends, and how much life has changed. They just want everyone to know that they're okay. It took them a long while to find peace, but they have each other. That is good that they have each other. Is there anything else that you could tell us about this case or these men? Well, I can say that they left and went back to their home state of Florida. I keep seeing that the two of them never killed again, maybe raped or other things along those lines, but I don't feel like they got the option to do it again. And even if they did, they were worried on how things would end up in the media and perhaps they'd get caught for this particular case too. So they didn't want to draw any attention to themselves and kept their killing urges minimally and hunt instead now. Do you know what they hunt? I really don't, but I keep seeing crocodiles and army patterns, maybe a swampy area too. They live pretty much off-grid. I do feel like the two of them have missing teeth and one of them walks with a limp. I feel like one of them has a bum knee. I also feel like they both did have wives later, but both lost them based on abuse. I also see a few kids. I feel like one of them has a daughter and I feel like the other has two kids, but I feel like he never sees them and they moved out of the state. 
could be two sons, but the daughter seems to be the Billy guy's kid. And he often sees her and she's about 10 and he's never heard her, but he's not a good dad or good role model. I feel like things will surface about him later too. I feel like they do have their DNA samples in the data system and it's very possible to get caught. So anyone feel or see any suspicious people during some shady things, call the cops. These guys have managed to stay off the grid for a long, long time. So if they get in trouble with the law, will they get caught? Pretty much. I know that they will be linked to their deaths, but of course they won't confess, or at least they won't for a while. One of them will eventually crack. I really hope this happens soon. I'm not 100% sure if it will or won't ever happen, but this is what needs to happen in order for them to be caught. And I feel like even with that, there will be a lot of issues with the case that they will have a hard time convicting them. I even feel like one of the accused will also come out of the woodworks talking about how things for him have been hard in his life and blame the police for it. It will be a shit show. And I also feel like a movie will be made of this whole situation too. Whoa, that is a lot of information, but also not surprising when it comes to this case. I feel like it will get solved eventually and something just feels like it's going to happen. I think it will happen. Thank you for helping provide details of this case. And thanks to the girls, Eliza, Amy, Jennifer, and Sarah. I hope you all have some peace now. I also wanted to mention, since Liz and I keep getting asked about this, about the Jeffrey Dahmer case. Yes, people often ask me if we will cover this case. I asked Liz if she would ever cover this case, at least from the victim side of things, and she has agreed to do so. Yes, we have a bonus list of episodes when it comes to our Facebook group. And if we can get our group to 15,000 members in the group, I will make a full episode of the victims of Jeffrey Dahmer and see what we can find out as well. I'm really looking forward to that. So guys, make sure to join the Facebook group, add all your friends, your family, everybody. We have over 10,000 followers on Podbean. So if every single one of you have joined us on the Facebook group and added a few friends, I would feel like we could get to this goal a lot faster. Let's make this happen. Yes, let's help out. (laughs) Next week, guys, we will be covering the case of Beth Chapman. For those of you who don't know who she is, that is Dog the Bounty Hunter's wife. Yes, I am so excited to cover this case. It has been something we've wanted to cover for a while, and we've actually had our own little personal connection to it. So we'll give you guys all the details next week on the exclusive side. Absolutely, guys. Sounds like it's going to be a good one. Hope you guys are enjoying the spooky season. And remember, guys, until next time, stay freaked out. (laughs) 